future lovers this is killstreak episode 22 i'm eric goslin and joining me here as always i promise not to take you for granted mr michael price uh, thank you hello eric hello eric's future lovers <laughs> i hope they're all prepared for what being my future lover entails which is lots of me crying on their shoulders and saying, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Are these tears or lube? <laughs> they can, who's to say they can't be both? I mean, uh, physics. I don't know. <laughs> so today we are here to talk about Friday the 13th, the 2009 version, specifically yeah. the killer cut. Yeah. Yeah. Just in case anybody was wondering eric and i both jumped on amazon prime because we love jeff bezos we love what he stands for <laughs> we want to get some more money into his pockets. i think so i just don't think there's any better way to sort out the world's problems than relying on the generosity of our billionaires yeah. oh. thank you billionaires for everything you've done for us your dicks are so big and uh, also, yeah. likewise, your vaginas are wet. I don't know. Is, is there a female <sighs> billionaire? <laughs> uh, wow, really, just... really stepping in at this first, in the first yeah. three minutes of this podcast. That's really really. some really solid stuff. Well, I mean, one thing, <laughs> I, I, I imagine there's more than one. I can tell you for sure that Mackenzie Bezos. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, she's whatever her maiden name that she's reverted to is worth uh, a pretty penny. That's true. Uh, yeah, and apparently, I don't know, did you know this, but she's like, I forget what the exact number is, but she's already donated more money. She, okay, so she's worth $60 billion. Holy fuck. <laughs> That's a hell of a divorce settlement. Um, and I think, uh, if I remember correctly, she's already donated like 10% of that. Okay. To charity in like the first year that she's had that and much like money. And like Jeff Bezos hasn't done jack shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Wow. Mackenzie Scott. Let's stop calling her Bezos. But, sure. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for that lesson, uh, Michael Price. No I, problem. Um, so yeah, Friday the Thirteenth. We're uh, this is the last movie that we have to watch for this series. Oh it's yeah. Been, it's been a marathon. Uh, I never finished saying the thing that I was going to say because oh, I got sidetracked with Mackenzie Sorry. Scott. Just that Amazon Prime has the killer cut of Friday the 13th, 2009, which is an extended version with extra violence and nudity. Yeah, I, I tried to look up how what the runtime of the original um, like theatrical cut is. and I, I believe this one is eight minutes longer. Oh, wow. So there's a lot of stuff in here. Yeah, and I have not... I didn't do my due diligence. I didn't go through and check what the differences are, but... Yeah, I didn't um, Yeah. I have it, a suspicion it's probably that, like, six-minute-long sex scene that, <laughs> that they come back to three times. Oh, uh, yeah, the one with full penetration on screen? Yeah. <laughs> I did um, think that was a little odd. 
That, that yeah, it, it was a really risky choice to show full penetration mm-hmm. in a Friday the Thirteenth movie. But you know, each one has to have its own kind of gimmick, and that yeah, was this true. one's. <laughs> yeah, people are always going to remember this as this. The, this is the one with penis and vagina. This is the one where Jason ejaculates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one not as shocking to no, me. No, no, that's not. It's true. Uh, it's, it's just actually felt, it's actually water, like when he pukes at the end of uh, eight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. Hey, maybe before we get into what we thought about these movies, I have pulled up the differences between these two, the theatrical version and the killer cut nine minutes and 46 seconds longer. Oh my God. There are five additional scenes in this movie and then nine more scenes that have been extended. Wow. Um, so I, I won't go through all of them right now, but just like that is the difference I imagine between watching this and watching the theatrical cut would be very noticeable. So. Well, I mean, we're about to get into our impressions of it, but I'll say I saw this movie in theaters, a midnight mm-hmm. screening the day it came out. Oh, and wow. I remembered exactly nothing. I like, I don't <laughs> know what my state of mind was walking yeah. into that theater at midnight, but I legitimately remembered nothing. Um, but except that I remember not liking it when I saw it in theaters. I came out disappointed. Yeah. I, I also remember... I also have only seen it once before. I also had a negative impression of it. I did remember... Like, specifically remembered the presence of both Jared Padalecki and Danielle Panabaker. Okay. Um, so it's like, I know I've seen it because it's like I saw those two. And I also remembered the sort of that they that they aren't like together. But I remember that she like spends most of the movie with him, even though they're not part of the same crew. You know? OK, yeah. And, uh, and like, I guess that's being it. Honest, I remembered the fire poker through the eye. I guess. it. I think that I remembered when I saw it this time. Gotcha. Yeah, um, that makes sense. So, what did you think of this movie this time around? Um, I feel bad because I feel like my uh, reaction to most of the last few movies is going to sound the same. Okay. Which is like, in, and again, this is just within the context of the Friday the 13th series. I'm divorcing it from the rest of the world for a little bit. For the purposes of this exercise, I was like, it was fine. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't think it was... <clears throat> I didn't think it was terrible, and I also, it didn't do a ton for me. It just kind of was, you know? Yeah. Um, I think I might have a little more of a positive okay. uh, reaction to it, because I do remember disliking it so much. Mm-hmm. And I think now, just watching the, all of these movies in order, instead of like having them just be in my mind, is like, oh, this, they're, they're mostly good. Some of them are good, some of them are bad. I, re- yeah. I really love the first one, but then like going back and watching the first one, I'm like, oh, it's fine. It's good, but it's uh, right. amazing. Uh, I actually liked it more. I liked it this time around, uh, but I do agree. Like there is something missing. There's something kind of dead mm-hmm. behind the eyes about it. I think I agree with you. And I think that maybe this is like a an easy argument to make, but this movie 
is like there's something very superficial about it's not a Michael Bay movie, but it's a movie produced by Platinum Dunes, which is Michael Bay's production company. He has partners, obviously. And I did a little bit of digging and like the director is a guy that worked with Michael Bay and music videos and stuff like there's clearly this is part of that world. And I think some of the movies that he's done are successful because they're so over the top. Yeah. But it's like when he tries to be to go more down the middle, I think he always fails because it's like, I mean, the guy like makes uh, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it, there's something about this that's so generic. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so he also made the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We're talking about Marcus Nispel. Um, yeah. Uh, who was primarily a music video director before this and commercial director. Um, and I really, really remember disliking the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I think, yeah. so I think I'm a, a kind of, disagree with you a little bit where I appreciated how this one was a little more felt a little more reined in mm-hmm. uh, and closer to I don't want to say real life but it felt a little more grounded than I remember the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie feeling mm-hmm. but I think my biggest gripes come uh, not from Jason I actually think it's a pretty good Jason um, he might be a little too smart um yeah, uh, yeah, we'll get into my thoughts on that, but you continue continue your um I just the the human the human the teen characters the young cast although mm-hmm. they are all doing fine work I just their characters I just couldn't get down with. Um Yeah. They um, just felt like kind of pretty by the numbers. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that and so I I had a note from probably like the middle of the movie. Um, and I'm just trying to pull it up here. Cause I, you know, um, this is what I said about the characters in the movie. It's like, I know that in the past we've talked about how we like character development. We like them like spending time with each other. Uh huh. But these characters aren't fun or interesting. No. And so I just got bored out of my mind. It was like, there are other movies where we've really praised the fact that we spend so much time with the group. Yeah. And this one, like, it gets that balance, right? The ratio of time it spends with the people, I think, is good. But mm-hmm. it's just like, I don't give a shit about 90% of these people. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think, like, especially the female characters, like, I I dare anybody to to define any of their characters in, like... A couple sentences, you know what I mean? Sure, yeah. Like Jenna and Bree, and there's one other uh, Chelsea. There's like kind of nothing defining about any of them. In uh, the male characters, are only like marginally better. Like Trent's a dick. Lawrence yeah. is the smartass black guy, and it's like they really make a point to make him like his race a thing in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then there's Chewie, who's like the classic Friday the 13th stoner dude. And in some ways, like, his character might work the best. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think he's the only one who gets to make an impression in terms of his personality. Uh, although, uh, I, you know, I, I'm going to... Uh, I don't want to spoil anything. I'm kind of going to go to bat for Trent eventually. <laughs> 
I I have mixed thoughts about this. I think yeah. I but I I can I don't think that's a crazy concept of you of you stumping for Trent. Yeah, yeah. Um I mean obviously not Trent as a person, but right, Trent yeah. as a character. Not yeah. what Trent not like I I don't think what Trent does is cool. I just yeah. think like his purpose in the movie is pretty satisfying by the end of it. E- yes, yeah. I I can agree with that. Um yeah, I just think I to get I, I I wish I had spent more time figuring out how to like crystallize this perspective of mine, but it's like you know, I just feel like there's and we say this every every 5 10 years we say the same thing. It's like, "Oh, this movie looks so much like 1988." 1993 uh-huh. 2001 and I'm honestly I I'm going to go on like a broken record. This movie looks so much like 2009. Uh-huh. Um where it's just it doesn't it to me it doesn't carve out any of its own territory. It's like yeah. they didn't they didn't sit there in 2009 and say, "Hey, let's make a Friday the 13th movie." That feels like a Friday the 13th movie. They said, let's make a Friday the 13th movie that feels like a 2009 horror movie. Yeah, that's a good point. And and the plot itself is, by design, sort of like the greatest hits of the first four movies. Right. So that even makes it a little more, like, shapeless in a way. It's like they they didn't have... They didn't have a take on... Mm -hmm what a new Friday sh- movie should be. And yeah. so they kind of just made it like the other movies of the time. Well, and I think there's a, there's a portion of, I will say this, like, I think that the, the segment in Crystal Lake memories on this movie was probably felt like one of the most revealing of any of the ones that I've watched. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is one thing that they talk about where it's like, there's a bunch of discussion and everyone involved kind of cops to it. Uh-huh. Um, the director, the DP, the writers, everybody's like, yeah, we didn't really know exactly what we wanted to do. We just knew we were going to combine some stuff. And it's like, there's, you know, it goes back to, I think what a lot of what we talked about in the return of the living dead series, which is like, whatever, whatever the pros and cons of the direction of Marcus Nispel are, there's not like a directorial vision here. Um, and And he's he's technically sound, you know what I mean? Like what he's, yeah, everything looks good. Mm -hmm. I mean, it looks good if you like the way that every fucking movie from like 2005 to 2010 looks where it's Mm -hmm. just like, there's, there's like a style of light. Like everything's like really dark, but then there's like an enormous, like, key light in the middle of the night somewhere you know right Mm -hmm. like in the woods so it's like there's everything's like hard lit from the side or just like all this kind of you know i feel there's like one scene where it's just like a reflection of bright bright light off of a a puddle and it's just sort of dark blue but then like bright light reflecting and like this is what this whole this is like what this whole genre looks like to me it's this and then it's like light bulbs flickering on and off. Yeah. Th- you know? So there is, um, the stuff in my, uh, I almost said Michael Myers, the stuff in Jason Voorhees house, like the cabin yeah. mm-hmm. is so reminiscent of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. That it's like, don't make Freddy 
Uh, Jesus Christ, I'm a mess. <laughs> I'm calling everybody everything. Don't make uh, Friday Chucky. the 13th yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We don't right. need a decrepit house with like a tunnel system and dead bodies. Well, and I really feel like it's it's, and I think maybe it started with that Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. But I feel like this kind of thing that you're talking about is in so many movies of this time period where it's just yeah. like, you know, take me to this house full of like old creepy antiques and like yeah, yeah. every, you know, it's it, the the this. I feel like I had more notes on this too, where it's just like the props and like the set decoration. Um, it's just it feels again generic. It's just like this movie could have been with a couple tweaks stylistically something that made more sense like you know because they say things like we wanted to go back to the camp like no like these movies hadn't been to crystal lake in such a long time i'm like that's a good idea but then you didn't make they didn't make this feel like crystal lake it feels like any one of a thousand movies that came out in this decade um I'm not saying they should do a, a period piece, but I think that if they were to do this again with Friday the 13th, right. I think the most satisfying way to do it would be to set it at Camp Crystal Lake and would mm-hmm. be to have some sort of aesthetic that calls back to the old movies of the 80s. Yeah. And not and like can... I'm not talking feathered hair and stuff, but just like I don't know, just brighter colored uniforms, like just make it feel of that era a little bit more. Just kind of give us a little bit more of what yeah. we want. And you can do that without explicitly going back in time exactly. and making yeah. it a period piece. Like, I know we probably, we blow a lot of smoke up this movie's ass, but that's something that I think It Follows does really well. Yes, yes. Where it's like, that movie isn't technically set in the 80s, but they just try to make it feel like that. Right. Um, and, I mean, but, but even aside from that, like, I just think that the tone also misses in that respect. I think that I think you could draw a lot of parallels to Rob Zombie's Halloween where it's like, I think the majority of the attempts that they make to humanize Jason are a bad idea. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, as much as Michael Myers, like Jason Voorhees is, they're both defined in horror movies as these like sort of inhuman killing machines, right? Uh huh. That that's like what people come to expect and kind of come to want from them. And I think that the stuff with Jason's mom is obviously that's part of that's part of the early DNA of this series, but yeah. it's not really part of what made Jason Voorhees an an icon, right? Right. It's like right, you yeah. lose that over time and then it's people it's, people are just like, yeah, they want to see Jason show up and kill sexy teenagers. Right. Um and I think they just spent too much time on like and the underground tunnels thing doesn't work for me. But No, yeah, it doesn't. If it's like I have a note, I mean, we're kind of blowing all of our notes, but like <laughs> the like uh it's just every movie, every horror movie now feels like it needs to have the subterranean tunnel scene. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's hit on a couple of pre-production behind the scenes things, and then we can just jump right into our synopsis. Cause I think we've, you know, we've already, we've already, uh, let you guys get an idea of how we felt about this. And I think, and again, it's, you know, this has been mostly negative, 
but I think overall it was like like I I go back to what I said at the beginning. It was fine. I, yeah, I didn't. I think, agree. I agree. Yeah, we I didn't we kind of terrible. Maybe that's something we could work on as people, but <laughs> we fo- <laughs> we tend to focus on the negative stuff and not uh-huh. the stuff that like really works. So I'll try to I'll try to do my best to point that stuff out in the recap because yeah. I don't want I, like I don't want you to have to listen to a two hour long podcast where we just shit on a movie unless it's like truly awful. You know what I mean? I mean I I will say that that's an incredibly popular genre. Of that podcast. is true. That is true. <laughs> Uh, we try to split the middle. We're trying to give you guys yeah, yeah. a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, so just a couple notes before we go in. Uh, Eric already talked about Marcus Nispel. Um, the DP on this is a guy named Daniel Pearl, who, if anybody has worked on more music videos than Marcus Nispel, it's Daniel Pearl. Um, and he shot a bunch of stuff for Michael Bay in the 90s. Um is that, his, is that really his name, Daniel Pearl? Because that was the, yeah, like the journalist that was killed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's an unfortunate name. Um, I, worked, yeah. I worked for one of his ex-girlfriends. Interesting. Yeah, that's a terrible thing to happen to your ex-boyfriend. The, the, jur- the journalist, not the DP. The journalist, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that was a bummer. And yeah. uh, Anyways, let's move on to Sorry. fake, <laughs> fake horrors. Um yeah, Nispel and Nispel shot the uh, "I Would Do Anything for Love" meatloaf music video for Michael Bay. Oh yeah. shit! Yeah, so they have a relationship that goes way back. Uh, the writers returning from Freddy versus Jason. Um, mm-hmm. So even though that was a movie that we talked about that got kind of chewed up uh, and rewritten eight ways from Sunday. People were happy with the final cut they turned in, so uh, Damian Shannon and Mark Swift uh, are returning here. And one of them, I think, I, I don't know if it was Shannon or Swift, but one of them had what has to be my favorite line from the entirety of the six-hour Crystal Lake Memories documentary, which I finally finished today. I finished um, it last night, yeah. And there's there's a portion where they're talking about this, and I think another indication of how this movie was a little bit confused in its conception is every person involved being unsure is this a remake is this a reboot is this a sequel is it uh a combination of four movies and he basically is just like it's a re-box officing that's what it is it's like what was the what was the point behind all this it was like well clearly it's to see how much more money they could squeeze out of this out of this franchise (laughs) so i really enjoyed that uh, so these guys are back, and I mean, I mean, I'll say in the interview that they are pretty appealing. Like I think, yeah, that, I like them. I think that they had mostly good ideas. They actually did want to set this in the '80s, and um, were shot down by the studio. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, but um, this is—you uh, mentioned it. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Michael Bay produced a remake from a few years before this. I think six years earlier. Yeah did pretty well and this this, they're literally just like going back to the to the bank again to see if they can cash another check like that is kind of what's going on here and the director in fact said you know well a lot of people were pretty pissed about texas chainsaw massacre it's a really well-loved movie and he was like this one's a little bit less of a sacred cow Uh so they were he was less concerned about taking shit for redoing friday the 13th yeah 
But yeah, your big cast members, uh, one of the few times, you know, we've got like some fairly well-known actors, at least TV actors in, in our lead roles. So Jared Padalecki at this point is on Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he still is, if I'm not mistaken. I think that show's still going. I never really um, watched it. It might have, it might have ended. Okay. But I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, well, you should check for me while I spiel. Um, I always liked him. I think he's fine. Um, and then Daniel Panabaker is uh, one of the female, essentially the female lead. Uh, she has done a bunch of work. Um, she right now is on The Flash, the DC show oh. on uh, whatever. Is it CW? I don't know. Whatever network that's on. I don't watch TV. <laughs> I just just Netflix and Hulu. Um, um, it looks like uh, continue. I, I want to make sure I'm right with this. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, and then outside of that, uh, we get some smaller roles. Ben Feldman shows up in our twenty odd minute long prologue. He's somebody uh-huh. you guys probably know. Mad Men, Silicon Valley. He's uh, on Superstore now on NBC. He's he's a fun he's a fun actor. I like him. Yeah, me uh, too. And, uh, yeah, but outside of that, um, you know, it's just sexy people. Just just a lot of uh, sexy 25-year-olds pretending to be slightly younger, although there's nothing, there's no one trying to convince us that they're teens. No, no, movie. it's not like they're on a class trip or something. Yeah. Uh, Supernatural ended this year, this, like, oh. very, very recently. Rest in peace, Supernatural. Yeah. Uh, I watched a couple seasons of it. It was enjoyable. It was I know enjoyable. it has a big following. It's like... Yeah. Um... Yeah, there's another show that I'm just... I don't know, maybe I'm thinking of Supernatural, where it's like, I couldn't believe it was still on and that it had, like, huge, huge fans of it. Yeah. And I don't, uh, I don't, I'm not saying I couldn't believe it because I thought it was bad. Just, I've never seen it. Yeah, I mean, having seen probably four or five seasons of it, uh, which sounds like a lot, but that's, like, think less than a third of the entire yeah, run Yeah, it's like 15 series. seasons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an enjoyable... Uh, thing I'm not surprised that people like it as much as they do, and I will say the two leads, Jared Padalecki and Jason, Jensen Ackles, are both pretty likable, charismatic guys. Uh-huh. Um, anyways, uh, yeah. So this one came out in 2009. Uh, it was shot uh, a year before, mostly in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't recognize anything. It's mostly shot just on private residences, and you know in the woods so uh not a lot of landmarks um pretty big budget i don't think the biggest of the series 19 million uh i want to say freddy versus jason was higher than that oh that would make sense because um, I, I know that um x was like 13 million and that was pretty that was the highest yeah. of the time yeah freddy versus jason had a 25 million dollar budget okay which Makes sense because that was a big deal. Come two very successful franchises coming together. So this one at nineteen million had a huge opening weekend, made forty million when it opened. Uh huh. Enormous drop off. Uh, it lost more than eighty percent in the second weekend because the reviews were not good. Yeah. Um, so finished up with uh, a U.S. gross of sixty five, worldwide ninety one. So didn't quite sniff. <laughs> those uh storied heights of freddy versus jason but definitely still one of the more successful uh from a financial standpoint in the series Mm -hmm. um and yeah that's pretty much all i wanted to touch on before we got into it do you have anything else you want to add no i don't think so let's uh let's get into that recap 
All right, let's just take a quick break for our commercial. Okay, we start in 1980. We're at Camp Crystal Lake. We see a woman, a camp counselor, running through the woods. Uh, Mrs. Voorhees is calling to her, Come here now. You're the last one. You let him drown. She's doing her typical Mrs. Voorhees stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, The camper, uh, who I presume, I guess, is Alice, uh, chops her head off. And she runs away into the woods, and then a child, Jason, with his deformed little head, or big head, uh, (laughs) finds her body, (laughs) picks up her locket, has a picture of her and him in it, and he picks up her machete, and he hears in his head, they must be punished, Jason, for what they did to you, uh, to what they did to me, kill for mother. Then we're in the present day. Yeah. uh, What do you think about this little opener? Um, I appreciate the effort of it. I wish um, it kind of comes and goes. Uh, I don't know. Do you uh, feel like it adds a lot to the movie? Not really. I feel like it. it so it establishes the locket, which, fe- which right. fe- That's uh, true. figures pretty, um, you know. But it, I think there are other ways that it, that could have happened. But maybe this is the most efficient way, just to just do yeah. this. I, I don't know. I mean, it's I'm not a, sure. I have a. I was just say. I'm, I'm not sure. I have a better solution. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting nod to like okay, because they're not really trying to remake the first movie because there's no Jason in the first right, movie. Right. So this is like that nod to that, which is whatever. The thing, the thing that really uh, surprised me was just like, this is their chance to kind of retcon the most confusing thing about the bridge from part one to part two, which is Jason being alive. Yeah, yeah. It's like, they could have dealt with that issue where she, you know, however they wanted to do this, where it's like, maybe she knows that he's alive, but maybe he's been, maybe he's fucked up because he almost drowned or something like that. But instead, they just continue to to have this incredibly confusing plot point that's like... Of like, she, is he dead? Is she, he not yeah, dead? She thinks he's dead, but he's actually alive. But he's in the yeah. bushes right next to her when she You're dies. Right, yeah. like, it should have... You know, what it should be is like Jason is the way he is now because he almost drowned yeah. or something like that. Like he was a perfect... Uh, that's that perfect is not the right word. That's not a very sensitive way. Right. But he, he was completely, uh, average and then something happened. And then that put him in the murderous state that he is now. Totally. And he doesn't talk anymore, but I think there is some, like that just goes back to the beginning of the series. That would have made it a better, more clear direction. I think that's my point. It's like, you have an opportunity here to rectify that mistake. And instead they just like double down on it. Yeah. Uh, And I think like part of it is they didn't, they asked, they wanted to make it a reboot, but they also kind of wanted to make it a sequel to that could fit into the timeline. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, they could have Rob zombie Halloween two'd it sure. Or Halloween one'd it (laughs) and just have it be its own thing. Uh, I have one other Uh, note from this opening, which is, I think that the opening credits are just in courier new font. Oh, (laughs) did you notice that? I didn't notice that, but Uh, it was the font that I would use to like, pad out my term papers yeah because it was like a little bit bigger than yeah and it's just but it's just like it's like oh man that's it yeah wow anyways (laughs) eagle-eyed viewers let me know what you think 
Uh, yeah, I'm always at a disadvantage of those things because I take like titles to to as the opportunity to type mm-hmm. up, like my my notes. You gotta start um, watching these movies at half speed. Oh, uh, that's a good call. My wife will love that. It's <laughs> it's not enough that I pause it every every yeah. five minutes or two minutes, being like, wait, what's this character's name? <laughs> Thank God for the Amazon X-ray feature. Oh, absolutely, that helps so much. I use it all the time too, and I don't need it even even as much as you do. Yeah. Uh, so now we're in present day. We have a group of campers, campers walking on a dirt road. Uh, we have Richie, who is the one played by Ben Feldman, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richie, Mike, Amanda, and Whitney. And Whitney and Mike are a couple. Richie and Amanda are a couple. And then there's Wade, who's mm-hmm. kind of like the nerd guy. He's like nerd stoner, fifth wheel. Yeah, nerd stoner, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, and Richie and Wade are like talking about some plan they have to steal weed from a weed farm nearby, which is like one of the reasons why they're even there in the first place. Yep. Um, so then it's nighttime. Wade finds the broken down Camp Crystal Lake. Um, there was a funny moment that's like a callback to Blue Velvet. <laughs> where, yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. the beer thing. But, the beer thing, Mike's like, is this all we've brought? Do we have any Heineken? And Richie's like, fuck that Euro shit. This is Pabst Blue Ribbon, <laughs> which I appreciated. Yeah. Uh, and then Wade tells the story around the campfire of Jason and his mother uh, in a real um, harsh to uh, modern ears. He drops the R-bomb. Yeah. <laughs> kind uh, of like how Ginny did. A yeah. Frightened yeah. <laughs> frightened R-word. Um <laughs> Yeah, he, I I was just aside from that. Also, just I was thinking I was comparing this to I forget the character's name, but the guy who runs the camp in part two has a, uh, Mike, I think actually. Yeah, has a similar thing where he tells this story, and I was like, Wade sucks at this story. He's like not making me. He's not. He's not yeah. getting me into the spirit of it at all. I wish it was Mike still. Yeah, me too. I often say that. Um, <laughs> and then uh, to your wife. Pers- yeah, I wish I wish she was Mike still. Uh, so her son Jason, he came back. He, he was there. He he watched his mom being beheaded. Um, so then Whitney asks Mike to talk to him, and uh, Wade's like, "Hey, Mikey, wear a condom, an extra small one." She like basically like, say, "Hey, come with me to the tent." Right. I want to. Oh, or no, come with me on a walk. I want to yeah. talk to you about something. Mm-hmm. But she's not slutty. She's serious. She's serious. Yeah, we learned that. We learned that in the first scene of them because she's looking off into the distance and Mike says, where are you right now? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I remember being like a teenage boy. What are you you thinking about right now? It's like, just like so insecure and be like, you must be thinking about me as much as I'm thinking about you. Come on, please. I need this. Oh, God. (laughs) Don't ever leave me. I know. Yeah. It's gross. Uh, now I'm the opposite. I don't give a shit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so Whitney tells Mike that she wants to leave. She doesn't want to be so far away from her mother. And uh, Mike's like, oh, I, I, I assure you, honey, she told me she wanted you to get away. Uh, so her mother basically is dying of cancer. Yeah. Um, is what we learn here. Pathos. Um, then he's to convince, to convince her. He's like, come on. Have sex with your boyfriend in a little tent. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah. 
Um, uh, Whit- yeah, this is by the Whitney is Amanda Rigetti, who I guess is sort of a name actor, but I don't. I she's on the Mentalist for a long time. I guess. Uh huh. She's yeah, in this role whole models. Cast, yeah. This whole cast seems like, and this is. I mean, on a, if I were cast on the fucking Mentalist, I'd be pumped as shit. Right. But like, <laughs> these are all like network like regulars series regulars on mm-hmm. network or like cw shows totally what it feels like yeah i mean they're hot young actors like that's just yeah. it's like such a like just fucking cut print cut print you know exactly um so wade's trying to talk to richie around the campfire about the weed plan and then amanda richie's boyfriend is like behind wade but mm-hmm. my uh Richie can see her. Yeah. And she's like taking her shirt off to distract him. How about she's that got... bra? Hold yeah, on. that bra is so weird. <laughs> it's an insane bra. Uh, yeah, if you guys don't mind a little not safe for work, I would Google this nude scene just to see this amazing bra. I can't quite describe it. Um, it's like half. I don't know. It's weird. It's got a little it's... lace on the top, but then yeah, the rest yeah. of it's like, it looks like couch. Like, like. Almost like couch like, fabric. Yeah, couch. <laughs> like grayish. Um, like upholstery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so before you get into what you're going to say next, which I know what you're going to say, and I think, we should, <laughs> I think we should address it, but I want to throw this at you. I did not confirm this until today. So this actress or actor, yeah, I do this. I'm so fucking woke. I'm like, no, I don't say actress anymore. I try not to. Sometimes I do. Whatever. Uh, this is about to be very not woke. Um, Amarika Olivo is her name. It's spelled uh-huh. like America, but it's pronounced Amarika. And I was like, Amarika. Yeah. And I heard the name in Crystal Lake Memories, and that is when it clicked into my mind that I was like, wait, I remember being, meeting a, 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 a young woman long ago in my past and being told, oh yeah, it's spelled like America, but it's pronounced America. And I was like, no way this is the same girl. It can't be. Went on IMDb, went back in my old Yahoo emails from 2006. (laughs) And in fact, I took UCB 101 improv with America Olivo. Oh my God, really? I did, yes. And you got to see your crazy bolt-ons now. That must have been a thrill. <laughs> yeah, it only happened 14 years too late. But uh, but that is a crazy thing to me to just think that it's like, oh yeah, I met that girl three years before this movie came out. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so, okay, was she the original girl? This She's not the original girl that they cast for this role, because the one that they cast... Had too much nudity, right? Yes, yes. So the one that they cast, which is a very obnoxious, creepy thing that has come up multiple times in this series. If you're going to cast someone for a nude role, be very clear about it. Pay them what they want for it. Yeah. Do not try to talk someone into doing extra nudity after they sign a contract. That well, is, I think a little bit maybe in their defense, if they're telling the truth, was that it was in the script how uh, much nudity there was. And she got the part and then on set didn't want to do it. Um, so oh, then burn her at the stake. Then, <laughs> that's not what I mean. But um, like, but obviously none of us yeah. are there to hear. True. But uh, yeah, it's anyway. a real he said she said. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but anyways, um, Amarika does the nude scene, and she has. I, how would you rate them in bolt onness? 
versus the ones at the beginning of Freddy versus Jason. They're pretty pretty They're, similar. I would say the ones in Freddy versus Jason are probably a little more bolt-on-y. Yeah, I think Amarika is helped out by her tan skin tone. It helps uh-huh. them helps them blend slightly more. <laughs> wow, we're really getting in the weeds here. Yeah. <laughs> but these are very bolty. I want to remind you, we have our our listeners are half female. <laughs> That's a good point. Hey, well, it's not like this is new. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. You yeah. know, you know, know what you got into. That's right. Uh, and she straight up oils them up, it's which kind is of funny. disgusting around the dirt. Yeah, it's funny, but it's like you're around dirt. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, like there's like some dead mosquitoes in there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> a, a pine cone stuck to her. Um. So then, eventually, she throws her bra at Wade, and he notices what's happening mm-hmm. and bounces yeah. leaves them to their thing he doesn't see block him which is nice yeah it's nice to use your word <laughs> so uh he's in the woods singing sister christian which always gets me pumped in any movie it's a great song also Any, anytime i hear it this is the first song i've ever heard on a friday the 13th soundtrack that i knew yeah. from outside the movie and i was like okay well this is yeah. a real hollywood production now yeah, it's like they could afford it. It's not just like butt rock or, right. <laughs> you know, banjo music that's blasting out of Kevin yeah. Bacon's truck. <laughs> um, so he stops to take a leak and he realizes he's pissing right on the plot, the pot plants he's looking for. He's super pumped. He smells them. And it sounds like he's coming. <laughs> and then he looks up and there's Jason. Jason uh, hacks him. Got a body count of one. Yeah, right off the bat, Jason moves real fast. Yeah, Jason's a runner in this one. Yeah, uh, first time in the series, but he like he fucking runs right at Wade and and just pins him to a tree with a machete, and it's it's uh, very aggressive. Uh, and also, I don't think we mentioned Jason this time around, played by Derek Mears. Yeah, um, who I met actually on the set of the show Cupcake Wars or uh, Halloween Wars. Okay, uh, I think it was Halloween Wars. Yeah, it must be right. Makes Not, sense. Anyway, I did a bunch of those shows. It'd be weird if he was uh, just on Cupcake Wars. <laughs> yeah, or like Cake Wars. Maybe it was like a Halloween-themed one. Yeah. But anyway, very nice guy. And then yeah. everybody on the sh- documentary also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got a he's got a small part in the new uh, Twin Peaks. I liked him a lot. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays one of the like the goons, right? Yeah, like a tough guy, a heavy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great scene too. Um. So Whitney and Mike find the boarded up Camp Crystal Lake and Mike wants to check the cabins out. Uh, She begrudgingly goes along. The cabin's all fucked up. They poke around and he finds the jewelry box with that locket from the beginning in it. Mm -hmm. And um, he's like, well, you should keep it. You look just like her. Um, The the Mrs. Voorhees picture. That'll come. That'll come back. Maybe that'll come back. Yeah. Uh, and then they find Jason's room. We know that because it has Jason written on his headboard. <laughs> and Richie is absolutely going ham on Amanda from behind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I was watching this with my fiance, and uh, I think Amanda says, Oh, uh, you know, wait for me. I'm close. And, yeah. And Kendo was like, There's absolutely no way she's going to come from this. <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple of like women being like all right 
I need some more time. The guys be, and the guy be like, "No, nah, I'm, I'm there." <laughs> <laughs> it happens later too. Yeah, well, you know, it's true to life. Sometimes it's true to life. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then she hears something and she stops and she thinks it's Wade watching her. And Richie's like, "Wade, dude, if you're out there whacking off, man, that's not cool." Then we see Jason's shadow on the tent, mm-hmm. and she wants Richie to go out there and tell him to leave him alone. Leave them alone. And he's like, I'm not going out there with a boner. And she's like, you're not getting any until you do. So he, he goes out there. Um, she unzips the tents to look outside. And we hear she hears noises. She gets freaked out. Then he's on the trail calling to Wade. And he finds the pot plants. Yeah. And also Wade's glow stick. Mm. And also Wade's dead body. Yeah. And then suddenly Jason, who has the bag on his head. Like the part two baghead yeah, Jason. Yeah. He cuts through the tent, grabs Amanda. Richie runs back. Uh, and as he comes, he Richie runs onto the camp, like where the campsite is. We see that Jason has hung her from her sleeping bag over the fire. Yeah. Um, Richie steps in a bear trap which apparently was a real bear trap. They didn't switch it out for the rubber <laughs> one that was, it was supposed to be. Yeah, so he, Ben Feldman, missing a leg now. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a prosthetic in Mad Men. Yeah. Um, and that, that was his real nipple, too, in Mad Men. Yeah. He cuts that off. We, yeah. Weird that they didn't use him for the foot running run over by yeah, the lawnmower yeah. scene, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's it's pretty horrific. Like, the the bag being hung over the fire yeah so this i guess is supposed to be like a nod to the past sleeping bag gag murders but it's like a lot of things in this movie and this is maybe one of the things that didn't work for me so well and some of this could be because of the killer cut is again mm. this is now like a post saw post hostile era of horror uh-huh. movies and a lot of the kills, not all of them, some of them are fun, and some of them feel like good Friday the 13th kills, but then there's a bunch, they feel too tortury. Like, there's one coming up that was very disturbing. Yeah. This one was disturbing, too. And in some ways, I think that makes this movie, like, one of the scarier, like, the, mm-hmm. the on, on paper scarier yeah. um, entries, but, like, yeah, there's like a sadisticness mm-hmm. that's like, you know, Jason kills people, but he kills them quickly. Exactly. That's always been his MO. And yeah. yeah, I feel like there's too much of that influence seeping into this movie where it's just like, well, this is what's popular right now. So yeah, yeah, there, yeah there is definitely in the next couple scenes, one of these murders really takes it over the top. And I'm just like, this isn't, you know, Friday the 13th murders are supposed to be fun or shocking but not like sadistic, like you put it. I think that sums yeah, it yeah. up the best way possible, which is an insane thing to say about murdering people. Murdering, I know, I know. But it's like very much removed from reality. And yeah, I, I just, it, that's a note that kind of, it feels off to me for a lot of the movie. Yeah. Uh, so body counts up to two because she roasts in that fucking sleeping bag. Um, in the cabin, there's a hole in the wall and Mike reaches in and finds Mrs. Vorty's head. Yeah. And then suddenly there's somebody in there with him and Jason starts stabbing up through the floorboards with his machete. He has a gigantic yeah. machete. It's like three and a half feet long in this movie. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Whitney hides in the bathtub. Mike gets like sliced in the leg and pierced through the hand. Uh, and then Jason grabs him through the floor and pulls him down. And he just like starts like coughing up blood. You can't really see what he's doing, but you know it's something bad. Mm-hmm. She runs. Body counts up to three. Jason pops out after her. They run through the woods. She finds Richie caught in the bear trap. His legs is all fucked yeah, up. His ankle looks gross as shit. <laughs> Yeah, it really does. Then Jason's there. He stabbed or he chops down on Richie's head, like uh, through the forehead, uh, bringing the body count up to three. Then he chops down at her. Uh, it cuts to black before it hits her. And mm-hmm. title card. Twenty five minutes in, and we had a title card. What is this? The Departed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like that. I like this fake out. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's a clever, fun thing. Yeah. Um, that's like you're kind of like set up to believe these are your characters that you're going to follow mm-hmm. for the rest of the movie. And then they just fucking die 25 minutes into the movie. Um, it's definitely it, an interesting move. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and I think there's another interesting move towards the end of the movie that yeah. also like kind of works for me. Um, mm-hmm. So then six weeks later, we get a whole new group of people. We get Trent, the dickhead, his, not really girlfriend, but a girl he's interested in named Jenna. I think it is his girlfriend. <laughs> is it his girlfriend? I was confused. I think so, yeah. Because if you like read the plot synopses and stuff, it's like spoiler, it talks about him cheating on her. Like Okay. Yeah, like they are together. And also like Clay refers to him as her boyfriend a bunch of times and she doesn't correct okay. him. You know. He just uh, he just sucks. Then we have Bree. Who, like, I'm not being a dick here. I'm not being, like, a misogynist. Mm-hmm. There's nothing defining about her other than she has big boobs in a camera that she carries around. Yeah, she's... Right? Is there anything? No, I mean, she's, like, a little... I mean, it... she's set up to be... Let's put it this way. If... What's Danielle Panabaker's character's name? Jenna. Jenna. So if Jenna is like the Marianne, Brie is the ginger. The ginger, sure. Yeah. So yeah, that makes yes, yes, yes. She's even though there's two blondes, right? So there's, there's there's Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea, who's played by Bad Girl of Pop Willa Ford. <laughs> um, and, and her boyfriend is Nolan. Yeah. Like, like yeah, that's Ryan Hansen. Um, People might recognize he works with Rob Thomas a lot, the director, not the guy from uh-huh. Matchbox Twenty. Oh, he's from Party Down. Yeah, he's in Party Down. He's in Veronica yeah, Mars. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. where like the whole time I was trying to play some. Yeah, he's a funny guy. Um, but yeah, to to finish that point about Brie, she's just the kind of hot, slightly sluttier one of the group. I guess is her thing. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, and then yeah, so Chelsea with Nolan, and then Lawrence, he's the uh, the African American guy. And Chewy, who's like the stonery goofball guy. Yeah. Um, and then Trent's, they they get to a gas station. Trent's like, hey, Lawrence, a little help here? And Lawrence's like, not a good look. You're going to ask the one black man to pump gas for you? And that's kind of like the angle they take a lot with mm-hmm. Lawrence. Yeah. They make this exact same joke like two like or three, three times. times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then they're in the gas station. This guy Clay is there, who's played by what's his name again? Jared Padalecki. Jared Padalecki. He's looking for his sister Whitney, who disappeared over a month ago. Um. Then the, uh, the he's asking the attendant to hang up some missing posters, and Trent's impatiently waiting behind him. 
Um, <laughs> there's a funny line. The like attendants like, I mean, I, if it were up to me, I'd hang them up. But the owners are real. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a weird fart noise. Um, and Trent's a dick to Clay for just like taking so long. He's like aggressively a dick to him the whole time. Yeah, and I think like I like to to what you were hinting at. Like there are also some things about Trent that I end up enjoying. I do think he's like too over the top asshole immediately. Yeah. Immediately yeah. and a lot of the time. Like there's just no motivation. It's like it'd be one thing if there was like a reason why he was being a dick to people, but instead it's just like dude's like fucking his sister's missing. He's asking them to put up a missing poster. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, Are you done yapping yet? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like, he can buy his like fucking beer. Yeah. Uh so Jenna apologizes, her and Clay like make eye contact. Oh yeah. Um then Clay gets pulled over by a, oh Clay's riding a sweet motorcycle I should point out. <laughs> uh, he gets pulled over by a cop. The cop knows why he's there. They've been searching for the group that went missing, but like you know yeah. nothing. I want to say this cop who's played by a guy named Richard Berge, who is in Hostel Two, is the thing that I know him from the most. He's one uh-huh. of the leads in that. He brings exactly the kind of energy I want out of everyone in a Friday the Thirteenth movie. And sadly, he's only in this movie for like three minutes. Yeah, but, yeah. But he's kind of like just a little bit more. We we use this phrase sometimes. He knows what kind of movie he's in or supposed to be in. Uh huh. And it's like he's like playing this like kind of hard, tough guy cop, and he's like a little over the top. And I I really like I like his little scene. And I wish that yeah. there were more people in this movie hamming it up a little bit. And like again, Trent gets like that at points there's there, there are times in the script when trent functions in that way where he's like yeah this is funny um yeah but not yeah. in a like trying to make a joke way just in like delivered well you know yeah like a little tiny bit of camp there right mm-hmm. um so he's like they yeah, they you know your sister probably just took off with the rest of them uh, and then we also find out that Clay's mom has has now died of cancer, and his sister didn't show up for the funeral. The partiers yeah. arrive to Trent's big ass house on the lake, and there's no cell signal, of course. Uh huh. Um, because that's the first thing every <laughs> modern day horror movie does. Like, I don't. Right. Even, I'm not getting a signal here. Yeah. Well, otherwise, and, none of it makes any fucking sense. I know. Yeah. And then Lawrence is like, "Well, I have business to do. I'm trying to start a." Music label, and I don't remember which girl it was who it's said Willa Ford. <laughs> is it okay? Yeah, uh, she's like, What kind of music? Rap? And he's like, Why? Why you gotta make this racial? You think because I'm black, I listen, I can't listen to Green Day? And she's like, Sorry, what kind of music? It's rap. <laughs> it's a, it's a kind of a funny joke, but also it's like, All right, we've already been to this well, right. In the previous scene, yeah. If that had been that, is that should have been the one time they used that joke, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. I agree, I yeah. agree. Uh, it's a nice house. It's big, and he's got a huge Escalade. And I forgot that this is a period in time when everyone had an Escalade. Uh huh. Land Rovers. Remember too, when yeah. SUVs just got enormous? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guess what? In Texas, they still are. Oh yeah. So oh, everybody drives imagine. here. Uh, Chewy unveils his crazy ass bong. Um, 
Clay goes to a house, gets scared by a big dog, and it's like an old woman's place. Mm-hmm. He's just pass. He's like he's like passing out flyers, canvassing and, the neighborhood. Yeah, and she she's like she's dead. People go missing around here, and they're gone for good. He just wants to be left alone. Uh, so we get some echoes of Ralph, but some soft Ralph. Yeah. Also, this is another idea that didn't really work for me. This idea that like some people know that Jason's there, uh-huh. but he just wants to be left alone. But it's like he's a crazed murderer. I don't care if he's. There's all this stuff about like the script, and they're talking about. It. I was like, we wanted to make him territorial and sort of like he's more relatable because he's not like just going after whoever indiscriminately. He's like defending his territory. But it's like, yeah, but he just fucking murders everybody. Yeah. Like, nobody would be like, oh, he just needs to be left alone. It's like, no, you would send a fucking SWAT team out there with guns and kill him. Hey, man, they they tried that, and Jason goes to hell. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Um, So at the cabin, they're playing drinking games. Trent's trying to fuck Jenna, and she wants to go on a hike instead. Um, Clay goes to the... A barn, which looks very much like the barn from part three. I think it's intentional. Yeah. Uh, there's a dude. I never got his name. Donnie. Weird fuck Donnie. Donnie. Donnie, who is operating Chekhov's wood chipper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He's feeding logs into a wood chipper. Uh, and then, you know, Clay goes up behind him and it scares the shit out of him. He's like, you came about as close to hitting the start button on a whoop ass machine. About this cl- came about this close. Um, always great when I mess up those fucking lines. Jesus, motherfucking Christ. Hey, this is why we listen to the show, guys. Yeah. Why you listen to it. Oh, what's that, Eric? <sighs> Having a tough time over here. Do you, do you smell uh, burning where you are? <laughs> yeah, toast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And oranges, too. Um, and, of course, Clay's looking for his sister. And uh, the... The hick guy, John, he's like, you want to buy some weed? Uh, Trent's back at the cabin. Trent's all bent out of shape because people are making a mess. Yeah. Nolan and... Go for it. Trent... Trent brought everyone to his house, but then he hates everybody and doesn't want anyone there. Exactly, yeah. It's like, why did... Even Jenna's like, why did you invite anybody? Yeah. If you don't like anybody, mm-hmm. you don't want them to be here. Yeah, which she doesn't have an answer for. Neither does the movie. It's just like, yeah. uh, do you? So were you able to? Because this wasn't in the documentary. In my researches, I came across perhaps the strangest bit of trivia regarding this entire movie. Do you know the backstory of Trent? No. So I'll keep this very brief. Trent. Let's start with this. This Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th, 2009, exists within the Transformers universe. What? Yes. Trent is a character from Transformers. What? And he is played by the same actor. And they have they're both rich, kind of snobby assholes. Uh, and... Uh, there is a, something in the script or somewhere, if you look it up, that it's the, confirmed that it's the same character. They have the same last name. They're both... It's the exact same character. So, 
Yeah. He's in Transformers, and then he gets killed in Friday the 13th. Does yeah. he come back in Transformers? No, he doesn't appear in any other Transformers movies. So Wow. This yeah. is the Trent Cinematic Universe. Yeah, that's right. So I just thought that that was uh, worth noting. Uh, Holy <laughs> shit. That's insane. I know. <laughs> I kind of love that. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> um, so Nolan and Chelsea are going to go check out the other side of the lake. And Trent asks them to refill some gas tanks for his boat, but you better not drive it. I'm the only one who drives my boat. Um, and then Nolan's like, "Well, uh, what does it mean about to me?" <laughs> I wish Nolan's could... like, "All right, I'm definitely taking that boat." <laughs> I wish everyone could see the look on Eric's face. When <laughs> Disappointment. He's just like so mad at himself. <laughs> Uh, Clay knocks on the party cabin. Jenna answers. She invites him in for a drink. Like it's, she's really, it's weird how like into him she is. It's that's weird. And it's also like, this is such a pointless exchange because even he is like, uh, it's your boyfriend's house. I don't think he's yeah. going to want me in there. And she's like, no, you should come in. And he's like, okay. And then things proceed exactly the way everyone expects that they would Ex- totally yeah because yeah. then trent is like no get him the fuck out of here yeah um and then jenna uh, he leaves and jenna walks out with him and of course trent gets pissed i mean his girlfriend did just leave with a, a stranger <laughs> totally yo no absolutely i mean there's just it's one of those things where it's like my complaints about like not liking these characters, not being invested in them is just like, I wish that Trent was a little more understandable. I wish uh-huh. that it was p- even partly believable that these two would actually be dating. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, there's like, well, it, it goes back to something we've been saying since the beginning is like these characters, some of these characters, like, why are you friends? It doesn't yeah. feel like you like each other. Absolutely. It's certainly the case with this movie. Yeah. Um, so Jenna wants to go with him to the other side of the lake to, you know, investigate further about his missing sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donnie, the wood chipper hick is walking back to his barn. He's got a duffel bag full of weed. Uh, he smokes a joint and looks at a porno mag and it's like real gross about it. Yeah. He licks the vagina yeah, of, on like, the pet on the page. He's like, Oh fuck yeah! Can Daddy have a look? You like that bitch? I know you do. It's like oh. <laughs> um, then I wrote this guy exists only to get killed by Jason. Uh, and he hears a noise upstairs and he goes to investigate. Um, and he gets scared by a mannequin, and he, this mannequin and he have have a relationship, have a, sex- a previous relationship, have a sexual history. Which is, yeah, why is he surprised and scared by the mannequin? He's He's fucked the man. He says, remember when you took my virginity? Yeah. You're so, you're still sexy. I bet you're tight. I'm going to pound you so hard. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) This is not, I wonder if this is, I don't remember this at all. I'm sure it is in the final cup. It's like, yeah, that is so out there. Well, that scene, the, uh, him going upstairs was reshot. It was added later to the movie. Uh, good thing they got that. Uh, I don't know. The movie would have been lost without the mannequin fucking dialogue. I know. Yeah. yeah and, the, and the Camp Crystal Lake memories, the producer was like, I'm so glad we reshot it. I think yeah. it works so much better. Yeah. Because what happens is 
Wait, <clears throat> Jason, real comes quick, up. before Jason shows up, how do you think he fucks that mannequin? I, does he have like a, a hole drilled? Yeah, or is it like is it like a mannequin the movie situation? Oh, interesting. You yeah. think that she turns into a real woman. Yeah, what if this movie is not only in the Transformers universe, but also the mannequin universe? Oh, I mean, we haven't seen a mannequin movie in a long time. We don't know where that mannequin ended up after yeah. part two. That's Was what... there a mannequin three? Uh, no. Or Well, I don't know, maybe. But at the end of Mannequin 2... Christy Swanson is turned into a, a human woman permanently so she can stay with Jonathan Silverman. Uh, okay. However, in the Mannequin universe, there is both Christy Swanson and uh, what's-her-face from Sex and the City uh, from the first one. Oh, Sarah Jessica Parker? No, uh, no, the no. slutty one. Is it, who is it? Port- um, God, I've seen that movie so many times, but I was so young when she's I She's hot. It. What's her name? Uh, she's... Uh, is, uh, it is. It's not Kim Cattrall. Is yeah, it? Kim Cattrall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kim Cattrall. Uh, so it there's is. at least two. So there's no reason there couldn't be three of them. That's true. Yeah. Um, did I? Okay. So mannequin. There's a scene in the first movie, I believe. Yeah. After they've had sex and they're laying in a hammock. Okay. <laughs> I used to go up to my TV and try to look down into the hammock. <laughs> 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 I love that. I love that. Oh, uh, yeah. I was also just thinking: Have you ever, have you ever considered that Mannequin One, the male lead, is uh, Andrew McCarthy, and then Mannequin Two, the male lead, is Jonathan Silverman, who together form the two male leads of the Weekend at Bernie's movies? Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, another in- inanimate object. <laughs> parading around movie yeah who stars terry kaiser oh did you see on uh i saw on twitter before we started recording that somebody got a bernie um cut out in the dodgers game (laughs) (laughs) like you know how you get those cardboards cut out there's one of just like bernie like sitting there that's fantastic um so jason comes up behind him and the hick uh rips jason's bag head off and Jason slashes his throat. Body count goes up to four. We see his uh, face a little bit here, right? A little bit, yeah. And I think this is the only time. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't remember. I mean, tell me, maybe, but I don't. Well, remember. Uh, only the only reason I'm confused is because they show it a few times in the documentary, right? Which but- I watched immediately after, so it's kind I of think, blending. I think in my it's head. heavily featured in a in a scene that was ultimately cut. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but right. I think this might be the only time we see his face in the movie in the cut that we watched. Um, and then Jason finds he like moves a, a tarp and finds the hockey mask on the ground. He checks himself out in the mirror. Um, so the original thing that they shot was that the guy was just smoking a joint while wearing a hockey mask. Yeah, and then Jason cut his head off and takes the mask. I don't see why this version is better. Because it has the mannequin fucking dialogue. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> the rich history between this man and this mannequin. And it also gets to... I mean, and this is one of those things that lit, feeds into my cynicism about, like, just the style of horror film being made at this time. Like, they reshot this so they could include this attic full of creepy things. Yeah, you know? yeah, you're right. Yeah, That wasn't in the original version. 
Yeah, I guess it's just to, like set a little bit more tension or something. Um, at the lake, Nolan and Chelsea take the boat out. Jenna and Clay are also at the other side of the lake talking about her sister or his sister. And they find Wade's smashed GPS on the ground from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Nolan takes Chelsea topless water skiing. <laughs> <laughs> she's wakeboarding, bro. Oh, is it wakeboarding? Yeah, she's I, I, wakeboarding. I, okay. She's got some good moves. <laughs> and it like it comes out of nowhere. It's just yeah. like one second, you know, you're just minding your own business. And then Willa Ford is wakeboarding topless. And it's really weird. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. Uh, Chewy, Lawrence, and Bree and Trent are playing beer pong. Um, Trent has to drink the beer out of a dirty shoe because he like lost 10 in a row. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot the boot. And in true bro style, he refuses to do it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Chewy just does it himself. It's disgusting. It it's is. Gross. Probably the grossest thing in the movie. <laughs> uh, Chelsea falls off the board. Nolan spins the boat around to pick her up and thwack. An arrow shoots him right through the head. Yeah. One in a million S- shot. Yeah. Really? Jason. <laughs> moving He's- boat from the shore. <laughs> He's been practicing on the archery range. Absolutely. He's a master um, archer. Also, I forgot to mention, six soundtrack, needle drop. We got a little bit of the hives. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? Tick, tick, boom. Is that the name of that song? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do love love me some hives. 2000s movies love that song. Uh-huh. Um, so Body Count goes up to six. He lands on the gas. It speeds towards Chelsea and hits her right in the head. <laughs> which uh, would be a fine way to die she could have just gotten like caught in the prop or something yeah, okay, yeah like her head could have got chopped in the prop yeah chopped in the prop uh and then so she's out there she's actually not that far from shore right she sees jason watching her uh and he pulls out his big ass machete now in the documentary they said that initially this is supposed to like cut away mm-hmm. and then cut back and she's still in the water, like running out of steam. Right. Cause she's and avoiding she, Jason on the shore. Yeah. And then eventually she drowns, which right. I think is fucking cool. Yeah. It's cool. And it's dark. And what happens instead is she ends up swimming to this dock. And then maybe you guys can guess she's going to die. Uh, and I wrote down, I was like, the lake isn't that big. Like just swim to the other side. It'll take yeah, you like I six minutes. That's what yeah. I would have done too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Trent and Amanda find Camp Crystal Lake, and then we cut back, and Chelsea emerges from the water under the dock, and Jason's up there, and we see him through the cracks. Then he suddenly stabs down into her head. Um, it's kind of shocking. It lifts. She like he like pulls it out. It lifts her up. She hits her head on the dock, and then drops down as the machete leaves her skull. It's the opportunity um, for one more fake boob shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> To be clear, boobs that don't move. Yeah, <laughs> not saying the boobs are fake in the shot. I'm saying in real life they're fake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, body count seven. I I enjoyed that death, although I I kind of I don't know. Maybe I would have liked the other one. The better. other one sounds more creative, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's night, and Clay and Jenna are still at the cabins. They investigate that main cabin, and she falls through the floor. Uh, she they find a creepy little doll, kind of like. That set dressing you're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Uh, they get freaked out and they see Jason like coming back into the house uh, and they hide under the cabin 
and he drops like a headless body right in front of them. Yeah, I'm not sure who's headless, but I, mean, I guess it's hers, uh, Chelsea's. Uh, yeah, she I think chop, so. Didn't chop her head off. Yeah, whatever. Um, Jason finds Clay's backpack, which he's like just propped up against the house, and he knows something's up. So he hits the lights, um, and I wrote like, "This is a much smarter Jason." Like right. he's he's like putting shit together in his head. Yeah, they starts, kind of made him into the, the, and this is one of the things where it's like they sort of made him into a different kind of character. He's like yeah. he's much more of a like mountain man survivalist kind of, you know, very competent type, as opposed mm-hmm. to just like, you know, shark. The, yeah, the J, the exactly shark. That's sort of the Jason we've become accustomed to. Yeah, he just moves and kills. Um, so he gets mad and starts fleeing canoes around. <laughs> <laughs> and finally he calms down, grabs a body, and walks off. And um, they end up, they run out of there. And as they're running, she trips over a tripwire, which triggers a bell above in Jason's basement, above a bed. And who's down there? It's Whitney. She's alive. She's alive. I had to go back and change all the math on my body counts because of this. <laughs> and I didn't do it till after the movie because I realized that, oh, yeah, she didn't die. <laughs> um, so she screams for help. Jason drops down there. Uh, and then so I initially I wrote I initially didn't like that Jason's keeping her hostage. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel like something Jason would do. Right. But then I remember like, oh, she looks like his mom. So right. That, which like some justification sort there. of tracks, but then it's also like if it's his mom, why would he chain her up? Yeah, that's true. You know, that's a good point. Um, and he sharpens his, his big ass machete on a whetstone. I think I remember that from the trailer. That shot. Yeah, the sharpening the big wheel. No. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see a flashback from 1980 with watching his mom getting killed. He gets upset and starts kicking and throwing shit. Yeah, and again, these temper tantrums, they just feel a little bit out of character to me. Yeah. It's not yeah. the right vibe. It's too fiery for Jason. Yeah. Uh, and then he grabs her, and she sees he sees his mom's locket. And she's like, Jason, it's okay. And he, like, he, like, that gets his attention. He, like, jerks out of it, out of his, like, funk and storms off. And then she finds a broken GPS and, like, kind of picks it apart and then gets like a piece out of it and picks mm-hmm. her lock on on her chains. Yeah. She's pretty good at that. Yeah. <laughs> I it is a very hard thing to do. I give her props for it. Do you feel like we should watch those YouTube videos where you learn how to pick locks? Just I tried to. to. Yeah. I have a lock pick kit and really? I have a fake and I have a lock. Yeah. Oh wow. That that is for it. Um I got really into it and then I lost steam. Uh because so the little the lock I have uh-huh. um to pick is just not attached to anything. It's a little hard to like get it in the position. Like uh, you need kind of like vice grips to hold it in place. It. Yeah, that was something I always wanted to do. Um, and I, I'm not that bad at like I can use like a credit card to get into a bill nice. into a, yeah, yeah or like a butter knife. All right, good to know. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm like the uh, no. If anybody um, ever breaks into my porn stash, I'll know who it was. <laughs> your porn stash. The foot locker that you keep <laughs> under your under your house. Yeah. Uh so in her escape, she finds Jason's room of dead bodies. It's very Texas chainsaw mascarie. Like all the set design mm-hmm. looks like it's one step away from like yeah. 
skin lampshades. Yeah. And this is really where we're starting to see the extent of his sort of underground lair for the first time. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. yeah, I mean, this is a thing that they talk about deliberately, which is like, I think as an idea, it's kind of cute, but the execution, I just don't think is a good idea. Is it's like, this is supposed to be almost the 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 explanation for how Jason can be everywhere or like kind mm-hmm. of like pop up on people. It's because he has a massive system of underground tunnels. Yeah, yeah. Which doesn't make any fucking sense at all. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why modern day movies have so many fucking tunnels in them. Like yeah. Blair Witch did. Yeah. Um I mean, there's others I'm sure I'm forgetting. Like, I'm sure Texas Chance of Massacre re- remake also right. has tunnels under the house. Yeah. Um, so she ends up escaping into the woods. And then uh, we cut back to the party cabin, and Bree is drinking and dancing. She's got super low-cut jean shorts. Yeah, this, that- is, a, this is a look that I would welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, uh, I joked with my friend that – or my friend Carol said – uh, vagina is the new cleavage <laughs> like, dur- during this period during that of period time. of time yeah. yeah well now we're in like mom jeans territory it's gone the exact opposite direction it has yeah it really has yeah Ooh, yeah i mean this is this is again this is juliana gill i think i am not exactly positive how to pronounce her name she is very attractive. attractive yeah mm-hmm. we're about to see a lot more of her um <laughs> And then Chewie's like, in my next life, I want to come back as a button on the ass of her jean shorts. Um, Chewie lights his shot on fire. He's like trying to do, I don't know what that's called. Just like, I, I, I don't know, a flaming shot, you know. A flaming mo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then he like burns his mouth on it and breaks Trent's dad's chair. <laughs> <laughs> Trent's very upset. Yeah, he's so pissed. That's his dad's chair. He's got to fix it. So Chewie goes to uh, has to go to his tool shed to get tools to fix it. Uh, they don't call me a wood wizard because I masturbate a lot. <laughs> and then Bree takes Trent by the hand to go upstairs to fuck. Yeah. Um, so he gets to the tool shed, Chewie does, and... Shed in quotes, because even he says, like, this is bigger than most people's houses. Yeah. Uh, and he finds a scotch cabinet. Yeah. So he starts taking nips of that. He finds the stash, and he takes a big gulp of Lagavulin, and I think he says, ooh, it tastes like money or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, I have 100% lived this scene. I uh-huh. <laughs> I went to... I, I, I went to a pretty fancy private school for a couple of years in high school uh, that I was not part of that uh, social class. Elite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was, you know, I had, a, I had the smart kid scholarship. Uh, <laughs> no. no Wait, bro- how? Humble foot- <laughs> Who, did you get it from somebody? Did they like die they, and you got the scholarship? No, they have uh, the school had. No, I'm um, kidding because I was implying that you're not smart. Oh, okay, yeah, I think you could have sold that a little bit better. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. That's all right. I just my confidence is too high. I just <laughs> bulldozed right through. Yeah, just right through that. Um, but yeah, I went to a lot of house parties at like very very rich people's houses, mm-hmm. and and then also when we got out to L.A. and stuff, that would happen. On yeah, occasion. that happened to me when we went out to L.A. a lot. And it's just like yeah, you'll just. 
just be drunk at a party and just be like, man, this house is so expensive and just like chugging somebody's $100 bottle of booze because you can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then upstairs, Bree and Trent are going at it. And I apologize, but I wrote, finally, some big natties. <laughs> <laughs> this is Bree. Just to be clear, Bree has, uh, as Trent puts it, stupendous breasts. <laughs> yeah. And they said he like, it's kind of actually very funny. The scene, like at first when it started, I'm like, okay, all right. Cause he's like, wow, your tits. <laughs> all right. So this is how it goes. Uh, can you say, oh, wow, your tits are stupendous and I'll be her. Sure. Oh, wow. Your, your tits are I, stupendous. I know. She like interrupts him. She's like, yeah, yeah I know what you, I know what you're gonna say. She cuts him off. Uh, it's it becomes a funny scene after a while, but it is also a long and graphic sex scene. And frankly, it was very welcome. I was a welcome. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was happy to see. We've gone it. a few movies without. I guess there's nudity and yeah, but it's not a, not a not in this quality. Yeah, no. This is uh, at least in the killer cut. This is probably. If you're just surfing for sex scenes for some insane reason, like if you're in a time machine and you're 12 and it's <laughs> 1999 yeah. and you don't have the internet, yeah, or if you're if your your charter uh, you know cable internet is down and all you have <laughs> is a DVD of Friday yeah. the 13th from 2009, this will get you where you need to go. <laughs> uh, and then downstairs, Lawrence is about to jerk it to a catalog. Yeah, in this giant house where presumably he has a room, but he's, yeah, he's just going to do it in the living room. Yeah, <laughs> the fuck. And then, before he's about to do it, he's like, "Lady, I'm about to ruin your perfect day." To the lady <laughs> in the catalog. <laughs> uh. And then suddenly, Clay and Jenna bust through the door, uh, and they tell him they found a dead body. He's like, "Hey." I just smoked weed. You're, you do not fuck with me. <laughs> um, so then we cut back upstairs. They're still fucking. And he's still talking about her boobs. He's like, your tits are so fucking juicy, dude. <laughs> She's like, I know. <laughs> Wait. Now, are we going back to this a third time with a third line? Uh, yes. Okay, yes. great. Then I will not. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then she's filming it. Oh, yeah. And he's... It's, He's like, it's better to ha- end up on the internet. <laughs> yeah. And and he, so this is when he, do you want to say his other line about the, the do you have the nipple line? No, I, do, I actually oh, yeah. missed that one. So she gets the camera out. And to be clear, like she's in cowgirl and she's just going, she's flying and bouncing all over the place, holding this camera on Trent, who's saying that she has amazing nipple placement. Yeah. <laughs> And it's it's just like yeah, there's a real uh, there's a real healthy market on the web for amateur porn that's just like shaky POV of a dude's face talking about nipple placement. <laughs> and then he says these would win in a titty contest. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like what kind of once it got to that point, I was on board like yeah. with the concept of this scene. Like oh, this is kind of funny. I just think. He will not shut the hell up about her boobs. <laughs> I wonder how she felt shooting it. Just that I wonder like, that too. These all felt like improvs too. Like they he was did, just... at least some of them. And I hope that she felt 
uh, like uh, took it as a compliment that they wrote a series of jokes about how perfect her breasts are. He he like had his hands all over them too, so oh, yeah. I assume that's something they talked about beforehand. Yeah, I would. But think I was so. just like, even I was like, okay, good dude. All right, I understand. Yeah. But yeah, well, and I, you uh, know, it's funny uh, with the level of nudity that we get out of this scene. I assumed that she was someone who you know was comfortable with had a, had a track record or a, this is it. This is her only nude scene ever. Wow, it's her first and last. Um, really like yeah and jumped she, in and she still acts like that's not to say like she disappeared it's just like you know that she really went for it in this one <laughs> yeah uh so then oh we see uh oh jenna starts pounding on the door uh but they ignore her and jason appears in the window and then chewy's in the shed he's fucking around in the shed he finds a hockey stick um, first he's crossing over with a basketball. It's pretty oh, funny. Oh yeah. 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 He's just like messing around with everything he's got in there. Uh, he accidentally breaks a light with the, the hockey stick. Um, uh, and then Jason's behind him. Uh, and he's like, Oh, are, are you looking for this? He's like, because of his, because of your mask. Yeah. No, he says this is cause this would really, really compliments your outfit. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. It was. Yeah. Um, and then he, uh, Jason like pushes him against like, you know, this fucking tool pegboard thing. He tries to stab Jason with a screwdriver, but Jason reverses it and stabs him in the neck and it takes a while. Yeah. Too long. Like, yeah. Too long. It should have cut away. Like, I feel like that's probably extended from mm-hmm. the theatrical cut, but like, yeah, they should have cut away because it's not like, not like anything more gruesome happens. Right. Uh, body counts up to eight. The sex scene is still happening. <laughs> and this I has got to be all killer cut. <laughs> I love this. Bree is like, oh, my God, I'm so close. And Trent's like, I've got about eight seconds left and I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Whitney runs up to the window. Trent's sister. Oh, sorry. Um, Clay's, Clay's sister. sister. Yeah. Uh, but then Jason like grabs her from behind mm-hmm. and drags her off. Yeah, kind of like Leatherface style. And I do think that this is like really pointless because she just ends up like the next time we see her, she's just tied up again. She's back where she started. Yeah. yeah. And like she had no impact on anything. And yeah, yeah, this one part, like this part in particular, I was just like, wait, what? Like this, this there's no point. That's a great point. Yeah. Like it would have been so much cleaner just to not have her leave that bait, that basement. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so uh, the power goes out. Tra- uh, tra- tra- they're finished doing their thing. <laughs> Trent freaks out when he sees Clay. Lawrence goes outside to find Chewy. Um, and uh, in the shed, he finds like the blood and blo- broken glass. And then Chewy's body falls like classic Friday 13th uh-huh. style. Uh, Jason grabs him. He fights back and he runs off. And then he's like running back from the shed to the house and he seems like he's going to make it. But then Jason throws a hatchet, hits him right in the back, like 50 yards. Yeah, it's impressive. And Jason is Jason. officially like a decathlete at this point between <laughs> the axe Dude, and the arrow. Oh, my stuff. God. Jason should be in the Olympics. That's the next one. <laughs> Too bad there's no Olympics this year. Um, so. We are, oh, okay. 
so inside, this is this really disturbing scene. They just hear Lawrence screaming mm-hmm. for help. He's like, I can't move. I need help, please. And they're just like, can't do anything about it. Right. Uh, so like, it feels like it should be, I'm not sure it feels like it's a pop should be in a Friday the 13th movie, but like it's an effective little, little scene. It is, but I do agree also that it feels like it's from, it's, it's for like a different kind of horror movie, which this movie, unfortunately to me feels like it's a weird hybrid of a Friday movie and like a more serious sadistic, you know, horror movie. Right. Uh, so then he's, so he's begging for help. Jason like picks him up and then throws him onto his back forcing the blade to like come out of his chest body count goes up to nine uh trent grabs a gun Bree is in the bathroom like searching around for some reason and then he like she like opens a shower curtain and jason's of course not in the shower but he's right behind her mm-hmm. and he grabs her and then rams her back into some deer antlers on the wall yeah very much like was it uh silent night deadly night that? They have the same kill in that okay. movie, yeah. I assume that's a reindeer. Uh, oh, maybe, yeah. I actually don't remember. <laughs> it's been a long time. Um, so no, reindeer have rounded antlers. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you didn't know that. <laughs> you fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, so the policeman from earlier arrives because um, they called. They had called him for help. He knocks on the door. Jason immediately just drops down behind him and sticks a fire poker through his eye. And through the door and through almost door. nails Jenna with it. Yeah. Uh, body count's up to 11. Trent, with his gun, is just shooting anytime he hears a noise. <laughs> and I thought for sure he was going to accidentally kill yeah. a character or something. Um, so they get out after some, some uh, you know... Jason hullabaloo. They rush out to the cop car. Clay's trying to find the keys to his motorcycle. And then Jason throws Bree through the back of the window of the cop car. And then they all kind of split up. Yeah. Oh, and there's an amazing... Because Trent is in the cop car when Bree lands on the windshield. And he lets out this insane girlish scream. It's very funny. Yeah. It is very funny. Yeah. Uh, You're right. Thanks for catching that. Um, so then they just kind of bolt in different directions, like Whitney and uh, Clay in one and Trent in another. Um, so <laughs> I like this. Trent drops his gun in some water. He's like, where the fuck are you, gun? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So with Trent, it's like, yes, his character is hateable. Right. That's kind of the point. Yeah. And I like how douchey he is. Uh, but... It's just at certain points it kind of tears at the fabric of the right. movie a little bit. I think from the point at which he goes upstairs with Bree through yes. the end of the movie, I enjoy his character. But Me too. up to that point, he's just too much of an asshole with no personality outside of that and no justification. And it's also just like he just flies off the handle into assholeville like too fast all the time. Yes. Like he's just not measured. And I'm sure that's more writing than performance. Cause when he, he is funny, he's funny in this last like 20 minutes. And I will also say that like, right this right here 
is like the end dividing line. The beginning when we had like Chewie doing his flaming shot. Like from then to now, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Like okay. this this probably 20 minute run, I was like, this feels like a fun uh, kind of over the top Friday the 13th movie and I'm into it. Um, yeah. The Chewie's death. Um, you know, Bree's death, like all of these, everything that's happened at the house once Clay and Jenna get back to the house pretty much has been enjoyable. Uh, but then I think the tone wasn't right before and now as we get into like the more serious kind of ending stuff, I think again it loses the tone that I enjoy. Okay, that's fair, yeah. Um, So then uh, he, he emerges from the woods and almost gets hit by a tow truck. The driver like pulls over and suddenly Jason is right behind him and he stabs him through with his machete and kind of Jason picks him up from mm-hmm. the blade, like the dull side of the blade, picks him up off the ground and kind of just like crunches it up a little bit. to like cut him up. Yeah. And then he pulls it out and throws him onto a spike on the truck and like impales him and the truck drives off with him like still kind of alive. It's pretty intense. It's not a bad, pretty intense. It's not a bad kill. Body count's 12. Okay, so Clay and Jenna find Chelsea under the dock. uh, And then they're back inside Jason's cabin. Um, In the basement, Whitney hears them moving around and starts screaming. They hear that, and they go down there. So then the brother and sister are reunited. Um, Clay, like, hacks through her chain with a pickaxe and releases... Well first jason drops down it's like a tense moment mm-hmm. where like jason's getting closer he's like hacking at her yeah uh chains uh then she's free they run and then they get the uh, uh he sees whitney's gone jason sees whitney's gone and he freaks out because that's his mother mm-hmm. by the by <laughs> it goes into rage mode um they get to a dead end and the only way out is like through a smaller tunnel right yeah. Uh, tunnel chase tunnel chase so they have to crawl through that jenna's the last one into the tunnel and then right when she like gets into the next tunnel jason stabs her through the chest yeah uh kind of shocking yeah she's the last one through the tunnel and i'm sitting there and you're thinking and i'm thinking yeah he's gonna grab her leg and then yeah. there's gonna be like a pull back and forth and then there's gonna be some drama or they'll have to go back for her or something Nah, she just gets a machete right through the chest. Yeah, yeah I kind of enjoy that because they like they made her out to be the final girl, mm-hmm. but they're yeah. just like, no, nope. And not you know, her. I want to give them credit. I'll give them partial credit. So in the original script, she was supposed to live longer but still die. But then they ran out of money to shoot the scene that mm-hmm. they were going to shoot with her, so they just offed her here. But either way, she was still set up to be, you know, kind of like the romantic interest for clay and the surviving final yeah. girl. And they, they do subvert that expectation. I think it works pretty well. Uh, body counts up to 13. Uh, they emerge out of the tunnel in like an overturned bus. And uh, clay gets like climbs out of the the door, which is like at the top of like where they would have to climb out. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Um, and he helps Whitney out, but then Jason grabs him and smashes his face into some glass. And I wrote, I'm not going to say he's dead yet. He's yeah, not a body count yet. Well, he's, I mean, and it's one of those things where in a Friday the 13th movie, 
I think if you don't see somebody get stabbed or like yeah. brutally murdered, you just kind of have to assume that they're still alive. Yeah. In some cases, some exceptions though. Um, but then she kicks Jason. They struggle like down in the bus and then she knocks him back down through the hole and is able to escape. Clay's still alive. They run away. They get to the barn, Donnie's barn, and hide. And I wrote, okay, so this guy lived this close to Jason, and then Jason finally decided to kill him today? That makes no fucking sense at all. It makes no sense. Yeah. And, like, if the justification, maybe it's like, oh, he's stealing the weed, but it's like he's also established to have been doing that for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Like, I don't know, that that rubbed me the wrong way. Everything about this Donnie guy rubbed me the wrong way, (laughs) because his character is too over the top. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, anyway, I don't, no need to get further into it, but I've said my piece about Donnie. Sorry, Donnie stands. I agree. Uh, Jason bursts through the window. He and Clay fight. They slam each other into walls. The wood chipper gets fired up. Jason grabs Clay's head and forces it towards the blades. Uh, And then Whitney calls his name and shows him the locket. And he throws Clay down. She's like, it's okay. You can stop now. And then Clay sticks a bear trap onto Jason's back and like wraps his neck in a chain. Mm Mm-hmm throws one end in, like over a railing like a, a rafter and then one end gets in the wood chipper chipper so it starts tr- like pulling jason up the rafter collapses but the wood chipper still dragging him into the blades he gets like his head sort of like chopped up like he chops the back of his head up and then she uh pulls a machete and stabs him in his chest and says hi say hi to mommy in hell yeah and it's like the, this whole thing is like it's a little weird. There's like some weird once there's a lot of like kind of false starts once uh, Clay gets the bear trap on him when you're like, yeah. oh, it seems like he's going to choke. And then the rafter breaks like because he is strangling for a minute and then yeah. the rafter breaks and it's like, oh, now he's getting pulled into the wood chipper. Well, obviously, then he's that gonna, doesn't really. Yeah, yeah, there's a huge wood chipper and he's attached to a chain that's getting pulled in. It's like, obviously, he's going to get chipped up. And that yeah. doesn't happen. He just kind of sits right outside it. And then he gets stabbed in the chest. And it all feels a little confused to me. I know. I would have liked it if it just went into the fucking wood chip. Right. That would be awesome. Then they can't they set it, it up open. for a sequel. Yeah. I know. I know. Uh, so then they hold each other. It fades to black. The next morning, <laughs> we see the various wreckages. It's so dumb because it's just like this. This really pissed me off because it's just like, oh, yeah, definitely really important to revisit all of these cool, creepy sets that they made. I know. It's just like a a montage of sets. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, It's at this point. It's like, all right, come on, guys. Let's just get this over with. Right. Uh, Then Whitney and Clay are on the dock, and they roll Jason's body into the river. It sinks. The lake. Oh, yeah. Why? I don't know why I said river. Um, Because it probably is a river, but it's supposed to be Crystal Lake. And it's just I just want to pause here for a second and to, again, acknowledge some pretty bad writing, which sounds like it was really crowdsourced by the producers. But it's like, why? Why Mm -hmm. are they at a lake? Why are they pu- putting his body into the lake? Yeah, it makes no sense. No. It doesn't need to. Ha- uh, uh, 
And also, it can't be. It's like they're right at the dock. It can't be that deep where they're putting them. Right. Um, it's not like they're putting them into the. They're burying them at sea or something. Yeah. You know. I mean, they just wanted to recreate scenes like from other movies, and they didn't do any of the work to get there. And it's an. It's yep. annoying. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so he gets in the water. His mask comes off. She throws the locket in. And then, of course, suddenly he bursts through the dock and grabs Whitney, cut to black. <laughs> That's it. Oh, uh, man. So, yeah, I agree. It's just, th- th- This series in particular is so reverent to things that don't matter, mm-hmm. like these surprise endings. Yeah. Like, the first, like, th- four movies, mm-hmm. maybe more, are all, like, have these surprise endings. It's like enough we don't care and they're always confusing they always fuck up the execution yeah just make jason okay fine put him in the put him in the water right and then we don't see him again Mm -hmm. but we know he's gonna fucking come back yeah just explain it at the beginning of the next movie we don't need to see him Mm -hmm. cause one more scare nothing in this movie needed to happen after she stabbed him in the chest yeah, exactly. Yeah, she and she and Clay should have limped out of that barn in a long shot while the credits started rolling. Yeah, I agree. Okay, guys. So body count uh, relatively low compared to the the recent ones. Uh, we got a body count of thirteen. Fourteen, technically, I think, if you count. Um, because you were at. I th- let's think about it. Um, no, 13. They even said it in the documentary. Well, Jason kills 13 people, but then there's also his mother dies at the beginning. Right? Oh, shit. Oh, I didn't even get that one. Did you count her right at the that. beginning? I did not count All her. All right. There it is. So body count is 14. I'm staying corrected, guys. I'm <laughs> updating it in my Google sheet. Well, it's because I'm, okay. I'm so... I can occasionally be pretty pedantic about this stuff. And it's like, they keep saying it's 13. Well, Jason killed 13. And it's like, well, then it's not fucking 13. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, my bad. My B, guys. Uh, so, favorite character. Um, I, I don't know. I kind of want to say Trent. Okay. But that's only true, I think you're right, for like a third of the movie and yeah. not the first. Half, so, I, I don't know. It's half the time he's on screen. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Um, do you, who do you have? Um, I think for me, I mean, this isn't saying a lot because he's not a super impactful character, but you talked about this a little bit at the beginning. I did like Chewie. I think he's... Yeah. Uh, I think Aaron Yu is the actor's name. He just... And I want to give a lot of credit to the actor because I don't think that he has a lot of character development he just feels like he has a fully realized personality and yeah and he's kind of funny like and he doesn't have a lot of like joke jokes lines he's just like amusing in his little scenes the whole time he's in the shed talking to himself is like some of the funnier yeah lines yeah. in the movie and it's just him kind of aimlessly drunk talking um yeah so yeah i think especially because that role can be really grating sometimes the sort of like doofy yeah. comic relief guy. I think I like him a lot. So that's mine. That's a good answer. That is a good answer. Uh, so now, of course, this movie is 11 years old at this point. So, of course, there are going to be some moments that did not age very well. <laughs> uh, Mike, do you have a moment that aged the worst for you? I do, but I feel like you're going to have the same one. Uh, 
We got. It's fine. We can have the same one. Yeah, we have the reappearance of Jason as the uh, as the frightened R word here. Um, oh, okay. That's actually not mine. Okay, great. So that was that was the one that I noticed right away. What about you? I think it's the um, the kind of the clumsy race jokes. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, because um, like one of where one of them would have been fine. Mm-hmm. They make like two or three of them, and it smacks very much of white writers trying mm-hmm. to make self-aware yes, race exactly, jokes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so best death. Uh, hmm. I can tell you what I what I wrote, but now that I, I sort of second guess myself, and I might want to change it. Okay. Uh, but you know, I'm gonna go with my first choice. First choice, best choice. Uh, I do like the stab down from the dock into uh, Chelsea's head. Sure, yeah. And then the, kind of the way she raises up and gets mm-hmm. knocked back down into the water. Get a little extra boob shot, you creep. Yeah, a little extra boob shot for my my perviness. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's gonna be my best death. Okay. Um, yeah, I think overall this is a movie of like they're very like workman like deaths. Like most of them are yeah. pretty decent. Uh, I don't think there is really one that stands out like in the way that some deaths from previous installments do. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, I'm going to go just because it's kind of fun and goofy and ridiculous. I'm going to go with that insane arrow shot. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. Because it's also really a two for one. Where it, you know, he, he sells it pretty well. He kind of spins around and then slumps over, so you get to see that like last moment. And but it's very shocking because it's a guy driving a boat in the middle of the lake, and you're like, "All right, how's Jason gonna figure into this?" And it's yeah, like, exactly. Oh yeah. shit. Okay, I guess that's how. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is pretty shocking. Yeah. Uh, what happens? Good choice. Uh. Okay, Thanks. so we like to rate the scariness of these movies uh, on the Carpenter scale. I do think this one uh, is pretty high, ranks pretty high on the scariness as far as Friday the 13th movies go. Yes, but uh, I would contend that the Carpenter scale is for all of our movies. Oh, yes. No, no, no. Yeah. I wasn't going to suggest. Okay, cool. I uh, just wanted to make sure. I don't think we should curve the Carpenter scale. No, no, I don't think so either. I, okay. But I do think this one is one of the more effectively scary okay. Friday yeah. movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so, looking at it, I've never seen The Ward. Have you seen The Ward? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> yeah, all right, let's. We should watch The Ward. Yeah. If, not, if for no other reason than to accurately have this. Yeah, scale. I mean, I think also I'm going to have to rewatch uh, probably a quarter of these movies if I want to be. Accurate. Yeah, I'm, I, I I don't know that I've ever seen Memoirs of an Invisible Man, oh, but def- I know it's not scary. Yeah. What about Village of the Damned? I have seen that. Yeah. Uh, oh, is that what you're suggesting for this? Yeah. One? How scary do you feel like that one is? Um, you know, kids are scary. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I can see a village of the damned. I was almost going to say Christine. Um, yeah, yeah, I could go with a Christine. I think that that's one that that's due for a rewatch with me as well. Yeah. Christine, 
has a has a lowish ceiling because how scary can a can a car, a car be? be? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it does try to be scary, you know. Uh, yeah. So I'm cool with that. Let's go with uh, let's go with Christine. Okay, sounds good. Fantastic. All right. So finally, um, for this par- portion of our podcast, Mary fuck kill. Yeah. <laughs> Are we gonna marry this one? Take it home to meet mom. Are we gonna fuck it? And never see it again. Or are we gonna kill it? it? Sounds so terrible when you say it like that. I know. <laughs> um. Hmm. Wow. I'm really on the fence here. Um, I am too. I think. I'm trying. I'm. I'm trying to put myself in the mindset of a friend who is sort of naive about this series and is saying like, hey, you know, what what do you think about this movie? Is it good? Should I watch it? And I think that I have to go with my gut instinct, which is to say, this is a kill for me. I think... Oh, harsh. Yeah. I think that it's very close to being a fuck. And I Mm -hmm. think that if I could just fix... A couple things about it, it would be there. But, I mean, for me, yeah, it just doesn't quite work. And I also just, like, you know, I keep wanting to find one thing that I could re- recommend it for. Like, it's like, oh, the kills are cool. Like, that was, you know, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's one way you could go. Or it's like, oh, it looks cool. I don't think it looks cool. Oh, well, the acting's fun. I don't think the acting's fun. Uh, mm-hmm. It comes up a little bit short in every category for me, and it's like it doesn't commit any of like the horrible sins of most of the bad movies in this one. Like it never gets that bad, but yeah, it also yeah. just never gets that good. So I think there's enough in this one that I enjoyed um, that I would say it's a fuck, not a Mary for sure. Yeah, but yeah. Well, I think that's fair, and you guys that is it for the Friday the 13th series. We'll be back in our next episode with the wrap-ups, but we're done watching Friday the 13th movies. I'm going to miss them. Me too. I think I really will. It'll be nice to move on to something else, but like I said this last last episode, I think I'm probably... I don't want to spoil what my number one is, but I'm pretty sure that, like, in the next week, after, after I finish my list and after we rank them... I think I will probably sit down and watch at least my number one again. Wow. Yeah. That's great. That's crazy devotion. Um, Okay. Let's take a really quick break, and then we'll come back with our final segment. And we're back with our final segment. This is a pretty straightforward one. Uh, So, of course, this is our first reboot. No, it's not, actually. Blair Witch Project was. Yeah. Well, Blair Witch, though... Blair Witch is sequel. truly a, a sequel. Yeah, and at its heart is a soft sequel. This is definitely a restart, you know. Yeah. As they yeah. joked re- about in the documentary, is it a remake? Is it a reboot? What is a reboot? <laughs> you know, who can say? But So I'd say on, on the whole, I haven't been a big fan of a lot of these remakes and reboots no. that have come out in the past 10, 20 years. But I do think there is a... Uh, a a case to be made for certain movies to be remade. And those are typically movies that didn't really nail it the first time around. Yeah, I agree. Um, And I think that, you know, 
you can see exceptions to the rule of remakes and reboots being bad. One that springs to mind always for me is uh, The Fly, um, mm-hmm. which is sort of a goofy 50s horror movie made much more, which is funny because I'm almost going to shit talk dark, gritty reboots of things, but I think that's one that really works, you know? Um, yeah, or The Thing. Yeah, absolutely The Thing. Uh, I think this movie, uh, Friday the 13th, came out in an era when this was de rigueur. This was the thing to do. Um, yes, yes. And I think that, does it feel to you like we're still in that time period almost? Yeah, no, I th- we definitely are. I think we yeah. are. It's hard to have an original IP these days. Like, it really, like, it's either yeah. a comic book movie or mm-hmm. it's a remake. It's Yeah, I feel like weird. Hollywood has pivoted a little bit to adaptations over remakes. But it's yeah. still, it's, it's, they still happen all the time. And I think you're right. Um, but anyway. So, yeah. with this segment, we wanted to highlight a few movies that we think actually could use a reboot or a remake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, who should start? You want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Okay. Um, my first one is almost, well, I have two that I can sort of, um, I, I paired them together because they're representative of really like a whole subgenre of movies that could be remade, which I think would be uh, lackluster adaptations of Stephen King books. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Um, do you have any of those on your list? No, I don't. I okay, don't. great. Um, and the two that really, the thing is King, we've talked about before as a writer that Eric and I both really like. I think his stories are tailor-made for film, you know, a lot of the time. And they tend to be really scary. And there's just, there's so many of them that some are really, really good. You know, some of the best horror movies ever made, like The Shining. And Uh others are fucking terrible. And there's a couple that I wanted to highlight here that I think are good stories that could really work if treated the right way. Uh, The first one is one that you've talked about a little bit, Children of the Corn. Oh, yeah. It was remade, wasn't it? Not to my knowledge. I know that there are... I think there is a remake of it. But I also think it's not supposed to be very good. Oh, Christ. That's fine. Like, we can remake bad movies. No, I looked it up, and I didn't see anything. Oh, Oh, okay. Maybe I'm I'm incorrect. There's a TV movie from 2009. Um, That's the one I'm thinking of. Okay. Forgive me. Gotcha. But now that I'm looking on IMDb, there might be one in the works. Um Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I know. You yes, know what? There is. It, it, it was filmed during uh, lockdown. Wow. Okay. They somehow got around. Yeah. Well, well, they'll have to put. They'll be putting their money where my mouth is. Uh, I'm not super optimistic because this one is coming from the man who wrote the Point Break and Total Recall remakes. <laughs> oh wow! Oh yeah. no! Yeah. Oh no! Indeed. Um, but anyways, Children of the Corn is like a it's a short, creepy story that's much simpler than what the movie ended up being. Uh, yeah. And I think it could be executed in a real kind of down the middle way that that would be effective and scary. And it's also something where there is an IP there to work with. It's like they made like nine or eight of these movies. So people know the name. Um 
But anyways, that's one. And now that I know that they're actually making it, I feel like a damn fool. So hopefully no, no one is currently working on a remake of my other Stephen King suggestion, which is Needful Things. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a movie that I don't think is... It's not terrible or anything. It's not even really bad. The casting is great. Uh, Max von Sydow as uh, the main antagonist is a fantastic piece of casting. Um, but it's just... It's not the best movie. It gets a little bogged down. And I think the central themes of that book and that movie that have a lot to deal with, like sort of the uh, inner evils and uh, indulging the worst parts of people's personalities uh, in like a seemingly uh, sort of idyllic small town Mm -hmm. is something that could work really kind of topically today i think if you were if you were to remake this story now and because just because we've gotten to a place at least in american culture where relationships are so divisive and people are so uh pitted against each other along political lines uh you know cultural lines all these things the sort of ugly specters of racism and class that are rearing their heads in society, I think you could really make a meal out of that while yeah. still sticking with the um, sort of the central conceit of needful things. And if anybody's not familiar, they did do a fun kind of riff off of this uh, in, I think it's a season, is it season one or season two episode of Rick and Morty, um, which I highly suggest. I'll look up the name of that episode, but um, yeah. So those are my first two off the bat, but there's a million Stephen King movies that just aren't that good <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah um yeah no the god there's especially they're, they're just like pumped out one after another mm-hmm. in like the late 80s early 90s like mid 90s it's just and so many of them are just so fucking bad yeah um so for mine i have a few choices uh the first one the okay so i'll say these are all movies i like gotcha. um but i i, I think this first one uh, is from George Romero. It's okay. called Martin. Have you ever seen Martin? I haven't. I'm very much aware of it, but I've never seen it. Uh, it is a good movie. I like it. Uh-huh. But in the way that a lot of George Romero movies are, mm-hmm. there it, there are things that are... The acting's not always fantastic. Yeah. there's It's a really... It's a cool premise of like a young man who may or may not be a vampire. Okay. It's like unclear through a lot of the movies. Like he's, he drinks blood and he kills people, mm-hmm. but it's never like, well, it's not, I shouldn't say it's never, but it's, it's unclear if it's, right. just, if he's just something that's psychological or if it's actually like sure. a vampire, which I think is a great idea. Yeah, definitely. Um, but there's just something about the execution that like makes it like not a home run in the way that I think it could be. Okay. Um, Similar in that regard, Slumber Party Massacre. <laughs> That's one that I almost put on my list. Yeah. So I love that movie. I, I've seen it a zillion times. Mm-hmm. But Slumber Party Massacre is directed by a woman, written by a woman. It's supposed to be a um, a uh, uh, feminist take right. on a slasher movie that I think fails and on almost every level in that regard. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just as exploitative right. as any of the movies it's trying to like lampoon in a yeah, way. Yeah. 
so I would love to see this movie taken, like done by a female director and writer, right. and actually achieve the goal that it is trying to give it some do. teeth. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Uh, I would be really into that. Um, and then so uh, quickly, my final one. Oh, do you want uh, another movie? I was oh, gonna say go we, um, I have a couple more. We could go. Back. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I thought you only had the two. Go, no, go no, we it. could go back and forth a little bit. Uh, saviors, because uh, <laughs> I have two more that I was going to throw out there. I can cut one of them if you want, but you know, no, 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 no. Um, the next one that I had, because uh, again, I was trying to think of like how would these work if we did them now, and like would they in the current era, like how would it adapt, change, make sense, fit into things? And so my next suggestion is a movie again that I enjoy quite a bit, although I don't think anyone is going to argue. But it's a good movie. It's Chopping Mall. Um, oh, yeah. That's funny you said that. I almost said that, too. Yeah. And here's my pitch. It's Chopping Mall with smart tech instead of robots. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So basically, yeah. it's just like if you have a Siri, Alexa, uh, whatever type situation that's running, you know, all of the hue lights and the security systems and all this, that, and the other thing, because, you know, it's 2020 and everything can be smart technology now. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I think it would be really fun to do that in a mall still. <laughs> and also, like, there's something that can be done with just the fact that malls are dying. Yeah. And nobody, you know, like, everything's just pivoting to online. Like, that's, there's there's something there. I Chopping Mall was on my list of, I didn't, it didn't make my final cut. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that was definitely what I thought of. Great minds think alike. Uh, my other suggestion, and this my final pitch, um, is I think that um, this isn't a bad movie. This is more I'm thinking along the lines of like the thing from outer space becomes the thing. The fly, the fly remake is just like what's a what's like a classic from that sort of bygone era of of creature features that hasn't really made the jump in a significant way to present day. And the one that I highlighted was the creature from the black lagoon. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Which I think is like a very recognizable character. And I suspect is that, is that universal? Was he going to be part of, was he going to be part of the dark universe at some point, which is hopefully dead because they could not have botched their handling of that. They killed it. Yeah. Yeah. More, of like misunderstanding we've talked about this before but i mean this is the thing like we get mutant creature movies sometimes still but i think for the most part you know you're not getting horror movies you're getting stuff like king kong like kong Uh kong skull island was a fun movie at points but it's like it's not a scary movie uh and you have like the kaiju stuff again Mm -hmm. the godzilla movies are not horror movies um, it would be cool to do a creature from the Black Lagoon that's just supposed to be scary. Um, yeah. And part of what I was thinking was it, it, you could almost take for inspiration. There's a great early episode of the X Files. I believe it's called Fluke. Yeah. Which is yep. yeah. Which is the it's basically like the worm guy that lives uh, in the sewer, and it's like yeah, you could absolutely do something like that with the creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, the closest I can think of a modern movie coming to to getting the tone of something like that right, I think, would be The Host, the Korean film uh-huh. uh, by Bong Joon-ho. 
which I think is awesome. I mean, you know, that Parasite, as everybody should know, just won Best Picture. If you haven't seen The Host, go check it out. It's a lot of fun, but it's also pretty scary, too. Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good answer. I've actually never seen the original yeah. Creature from the Black Lagoon. I mean, it's kind of slow because it's the 50s, but it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I should, uh, I'm going to check that out. I, I have a lot, a big blind spot when it comes to those black and whites. Yeah. Just because they always seem kind of boring. I'm not going to claim to be an expert. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my final movie is something that I think if the, given the right director, they could really make it sing maybe a James Gunn type or mm-hmm. some, somebody, the stuff. <laughs> sure. There's so much fun oh. in that movie. That movie's already so fun. Absolutely. That is such a good suggestion. Yes. Uh, but it's not that good of a movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah. it's very fun, but not that good of a movie. I think somebody could actually do a really great job that does that accomplishes a lot of the same goals of like making fun of consumerism and health fads. Right. And nowadays health fads are even crazier than they were. Oh yeah. 25 years ago or 30 years ago whenever that movie was made yeah imagine if you could weave like goop into a modern yeah, day yeah, version yeah. of the stuff yeah. like <laughs> vagina candling and stuff yeah <laughs> that would be awesome yeah i love that suggestion you should write that i should actually that seems up my alley i don't know how to uh, i've got a good pitch for a friday the 13th movie too oh well let's hey That's let's talk point. let's talk off the air okay okay Okay, guys, that about does it for our episode about the reboot of Friday the 13th. Next time around, we will be ranking all of these movies. Yeah. Uh, so buckle up for that. We're going to have some we got ex- lots to do. Yeah, we're going to have some extra treats because this is such a me- uh, momentous franchise. So we're going to do a couple bonus lists inside that episode. Yeah. And then, yep. uh, and then as you guys have always come to expect, we will also be announcing... Uh, our next series that we are tackling and we're going to try yeah. to, we're going to try to, we got a couple more weeks of summer left. So we're going to try to keep things, uh, you know, keep, summary. Yes. Yeah, summary. <laughs> yeah. That's the adjective. I was summary. For. That's the what yeah. you're trying to think of. Yeah. We're trying to keep things wet. Mm. Mm, sticky. <laughs> what could I mean? Humid, higher <laughs> temperatures than in the fall. <laughs> Uh, so if you ever want to write to us, you can do so through lots of avenues. You can email us at killstreakpod at gmail.com. Sure. Check out our Twitter mm-hmm. at killstreakpod. Yep, yep, that um, works. You know, leave us a voicemail at our website. What's our website again? Killstreakpod.com. There you are. Yeah. Um, and yeah, please. Please, guys, please, we need you. Please. We just want to hear from you. So lonely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I got to have a quote here. Oh, no. Yeah. Eric forgot a quote. Um, So through the magic of editing, we'll cut this out. (laughs) Uh, No, we're not. And as always, in my next life, I want to come back as a button on the ass of her jean shorts.